Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner Veteran Healthcare Policy Institute. It's Saturday, December 18, 2021. December is AIDS Awareness and National Human Rights Month. I am host Cliff Kelly. Uh, the Honorable oh, Cliff Kelly. <laughs> and I'm his co-host, Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. Uh, the executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. The, we have some incredible people in this uh, uh, space with me today. Uh, today, we are going to be talking to our partners at VHPI, Suzanne Gordon, uh, the VHPI Senior Policy Analyst, and her work expands over decades reporting on health care programs, workers, policy, and have has offered, uh, authored, uh, or edited, actually, 21 books. Uh, Suzanne has also written two books on her own, The Battle of Veterans uh, for Veterans Health Care and Wounds of War. Uh, both are a prime uh, target for you to read. Make sure you get those books, The Battle for Veterans Health Care and Wounds of War. And she has with her Jasper Craven, the VHPI Interim Executive uh, director and Cliff, these are two wonderful people who help veterans every day. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having us. Good, good. And we're going to have a discussion today about Hi. the VA quality Hi. and access standards for private uh, private care. So, uh, Suzanne, do you want to lead us off on that? Uh, yeah. Well, basically, the under the Mission Act, um, which was passed by Congress in 2018, and we've talked about a number of times on this show, um, veterans were permitted to go get care in the private sector 
under very specific conditions, like if they really couldn't get care at the VA, if there were terrible delays, and if it was medically necessary. And um, Trump's um, VA Secretary, Robert Wilkie, really ignored the intent of Congress and set standards that had nothing to do with medical necessity or excessive delays, but were essentially about drive times and wait times. And if you had to drive more than 30 minutes for us for a mental health or primary care appointment or wait more than 20 days, or if you had to uh, drive more than 60 minutes uh, and wait more than 28 days, you could go to the private sector. Um, they also didn't count telehealth as a as a, an appointment in the VA, but it's counted as an appointment in the private sector. So you have a situation that essentially guarantees that people will be sent away from the VA and into the private sector because, you know, there's almost no place in urban or rural America where you don't have to drive 30 or 60 minutes for an appointment. Mm-hmm. And there's a, lum- a number of studies that have showed that there was a recent study of cataract surgery that showed that many people were being sent to private for-profit cataract surgeons when the VA was even closer to them. And so there is now an unprecedented opportunity for the VA secretary to remedy this problem, which is cannibalizing the the Veterans Health Administration budget because the Mission Act required a three-year, every three-year evaluation of the the access and, and quality standards and we at VHPI, and we just had an article published in The Hill to this effect, argue that the secretary should really look at um, at these unrealistic standards that the, that the Trump administration set because they wanted to privatize the VA and reconsider them. Okay. Yeah, and uh, what's your view on this, uh, Jasper? What do, you, what do you think about what's going on? Yeah, I mean, clearly... Uh Suzanne um, quite nicely summed up the issue here. Um, I mean, the the 2018 Mission Act was um, undertaken in such a way that it ensured veterans would not actually be able to effectively choose the best health care option for them. This law was sold and ratified by President Trump as a way for veterans to get have an apples-to-apples comparison between private sector care and that in the VA around um, quality and access, and clearly that has not happened. It's incredibly difficult for us at VHPI to imagine a scenario in which the private sector actually offers up even a, a fraction of the amount of data and transparency that um, the VA offers when it comes to what's going on inside departmental uh, or hospital walls. And so there is this moment now where these standards are up for debate and evaluation, and, and we believe there's a way to improve them. Um, however, at the end of the day, the VA already offers care that is on the whole better and cheaper and faster than the private sector. So this debate and and the Mission Act itself is largely sort of creating a 
a strange series of choices when when one of them, that being the VA, is clearly the best. Yeah, you know, one of the things I'm afraid of is, uh, you know, and there's two things, uh, and Cliff and I have talked about this before, about this, you know, your rights uh, within the VA system. Exactly. And, you know, all the rights seem to be tied to the legislation and the laws and the rules mm-hmm. that are embodied in the, in the VA structuring. And what I'm f- afraid of is if you privatize those things, will there be an erosion of the rights to treatment or the rights to care? Or will, you know, people edge out the uh, veterans' rights to being covered under a health care system. And that, that scares me uh, personally. I'm not sure if, how valid that is, but you, maybe you can make a comment about that. And then also, how does this relate to TRICARE? Well, you raise really important points. Um, if I mean, right now the, there's a huge amount of money going out from the VA financial coffers into the private sector because private sector care is more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just a recent OIG veteran of, VA um, Office of the Inter- uh, Inspector General report about huge amounts of upcoding. Um, so this is a, uh, you know, this is a, um, a constant in private sector health care where doctors and, and other providers are on salary and, and not on salary but in a fee-for-service system and it's you know it's every every um, every every procedure every everything is billed um, separately and there's an incentive to what what they call upcode which means make it seem like you're doing more when you aren't because you get paid more and what they've discovered in the private sector is that private sector providers are trying to rig the payment system because. Unlike the VA, um, the Mission Act is a fee-for-service system, mm-hmm. and they are pretending fraudulently that they're doing more management and evaluation of the patient than they're doing, and and their fees for um, for this non-management, non-evaluation that they're not doing have gone up by something like 300 percent since 2017 to the tune of, I think, $69 billion or something. Well, and, you know, um, no, $69 million, I'm so sorry, $69 million. And um, basically, so you have that, you have huge increase, 100% increase between 2017 and 2021 in the budget spent on private sector care. Um, and so, you know, you have all this money draining away, and the American public only has a certain tolerance for paying for care for veterans. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're going to see, and you're already seeing that, and Jasper and I are actually doing a new article about this, um, is that there are people out there, including former VA Secretary Robert Wilkie, who are arguing that only really, really, you know, severely combat injured veterans who have injuries you can kind of see, you know, like see, Mm -hmm. as in an amputation, should be eligible for care, and that basically all these other veterans are just malingerers, Mm -hmm. and there really is no such thing as PTSD or military sexual trauma. They even question hearing loss, you know, and tinnitus, because, you you know, you can't see that, right? You can see an Mm -hmm. amputation. So I think you're absolutely right. I mean, they are 
going to eventually say, sorry, you know, you don't have an amputation. We're going to limit this to people who who only have these very visible wounds of war, and anybody else is kind of a malinger. I mean, this goes back to the <laughs> Civil War when they, you know, told people not to be dirty loafers and pick themselves up by their own bootstraps, even if they didn't have boots or straps or legs to put in the boots. <laughs> so, what is the distinction between uh, 2017 and uh, 2020, 2021? I'm sorry, what? The distinction between 2017 and 20, 2021. I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm, Cliff, I'm having trouble hearing you. I, no. I didn't understand the question. Oh, I'm sorry. The distinction in the money between 2017 and 2021. Yeah, it's gone up. The, the yeah. amount of money going to the private sector has increased by by 100%. Wow, by 100%. <laughs> yeah, because wow, they're now tremendous. spending 20% of the VA budget on private sector care. I mean, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of billions of dollars that mm -hmm. could go to ending the kind of delays that lead to people... Well, there aren't even delays because it's just if you have to drive more than a half an hour. I mean, I who doesn't drive a half an hour to see a doctor? I mean, mm -hmm. they, you know, unless the doctor is like right around the corner from your house. Yeah, that that really kind of uh, you know really infuriates me because when you start thinking about the private sector and you think about the VA system and the need to have. Um, our veterans covered, like you were saying, that, you know, you may have tinnitus or you may have something that's not visible, like the things that are causing so many veterans to commit suicide every day. You know, you, they, they sort of uh, push that off. But when you get back to the congressional members being covered by our taxpayer money for their yeah, health care, right. <laughs> when they're doing insider trading and multimillionaires making that much money, if, if I made multimillions of dollars in my current job, with the salary I have right now, the IRS would be coming and knocking on my door, mm -hmm. if not the feds, <laughs> right? <laughs> but how they're able to make that much money and do all the insider trading and be covered by full health care and exempt themselves from all the things that we have to go through as citizens is astounding for you to turn around and then to penalize the people who are actually supporting the country that get that are putting you and putting you away from something like a uh, January 6th uh, insurrection. That insurrection was stopped because of people who were in uniform, not because of you sitting in the office. You were running, hiding on the tables. <laughs> yeah, <But> <laughs> well, I mean, the other thing that I think is really important to note here when you look at the access standards is right. um, even if you agreed with them, which we don't, the, the, yeah. when, when they designed this Mission Act, they made an assumption that there was enough private sector capacity out there to accommodate, you know, something like 9 million veterans going into the private sector. Right. Well, that was an erroneous assumption given our primary care crisis and the shortage of primary care providers, given a shortage of mental health providers, et cetera. But that was in, okay, that was in 2017, 2018, they were debating it. Well, now we have COVID. <laughs> and COVID has turned 
crises into catastrophes. Mm-hmm. In in upstate New York, which is the sta- a state that has a you know the fifth largest veteran population in the country, the governor has called in the national guard to help with nursing homes because there's so many shortages of nurses, of of nursing assistants. I mean, people, this is a disaster. Mm. And to be sending veterans out into a private sector system that can't even take care of private sector patients. I mean, my primary care doc is is retiring in in May because people Mm -hmm. are getting older and people who used to, you know, work into their 70s are now like, we're out of here, been there, done that, I'm out of here. And the same is true of nursing. And, and it's, you know, I'm terrified because where am I going to find a primary care doctor in, in, in the San Francisco Bay Area? And I don't, I mean, you should not put me in competition with veterans. In fact, I should be able to go to the VA. If, there, if there's underutilization at the VA, we in the civilian sector under their fourth mission should be able to go to the VA. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is insanity in the co- in COVID, and we are not, as you know, Damon, we are not out of the woods here. Yeah, you know, you actually hit on something that's really interesting because, you know, one, one of the comments you made earlier was that, you know, uh, they are now doing it, you know, if you live within a certain distance, right, of uh, a VA system, 30 minutes. But uh, prior to that, they were talking about, well, if the services weren't readily available, if you couldn't get a scheduled appointment, that points to a weakness in funding. That, to me, that, exactly. that it points to a weakness in you making sure that you have adequate staffing, you have adequate um, resources within the VA system to take care of the veterans you said you would take care of. Jasper, do you want to comment on that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally true. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're seeing not only the National Guard activated time and, again, to help sort of uh, plug holes and assist with the private sector system. We're also seeing the VA step up um, and support the private sector through its fourth mission to help in times of emergency. And, I mean, this is happening even as the VA is underfunded and as the VA uh, grapples with tens of thousands of vacancies across the system. Um, you know, the VA is not being being given enough money to hire adequate staff. It's not being given the proper uh, efficient processes to hire them um, in an efficient manner and to be competitive with the private sector. And yet, you know, still it attracts innumerable numbers of incredibly talented, dedicated mm-hmm. clinicians. And these folks are not only entering the third year of a of a pandemic helping veterans heal, but they're also offering uh, personal protective equipment and, you know, their care when needed to civilians. I mean, there was a great case a couple weeks ago where the entire state of Iowa, every single private hospital in the state was at capacity um, in their ICU departments. And a a man there, middle-aged man, got sick with COVID, a civilian, and the Iowa City VA opened its doors to this man. He had a heart attack shortly after being admitted, which complicated um, his uh, situation significantly. And yet the VA was able to act quickly, offer world-class care, and get him discharged in a matter of weeks. He's, he's essentially fully recovered. So, um, I mean, the, the, the need to ensure that this system has 
the adequate resources is, you know, is important not only for veterans, but really everyone in this country. Well, that was one of the things that I'm glad you mentioned that because where are we standing now with COVID? My goodness, it's, uh, major, how is that being treated? In the VA or in the country? Both. Well, I mean, it's a mess, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, we don't have a national standard. We don't have a national health system. Um, you know, uh, some people are, you know, not enough people are vaccinated, and we don't have a national mandate. Um, and, you know, I mean, one of the big problems is veterans. I talk to VA providers who say that, you know, there's a subset of veterans that deny they have COVID. Even in my talk to a <clears throat> psychiatrist in Texas who said she had a patient who had COVID and was in the ICU and said they didn't have COVID. Yeah, um, that's, yeah, all that's really incredible. Uh, but we're out, we ran out of time. Uh, we have got to get you back here to talk about yeah. this more because, uh, VHPI, you have been a partner with us, uh, incredible group. I want everyone to, you know, just, you know, thank, uh, Suzanne Gordon and Jasper Craven for all the work they're doing on our behalf. Uh, and, uh, I know you always say reach out to your uh, legislators and look at your website for the VHPI, Veteran Healthcare Policy Institute. And we will have you back on, uh, but we have got to have more time with you. <laughs> Take care. All right. Take care. Happy have holidays. Have a happy holiday. Yeah. Bye. Thank okay. you. Okay, we're going to commercial break. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.